Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of Chopped Greens. I'm your host, Philip Amarine, and I am... I just wish, I want to say that you're next to me. Emotionally, I can, I can probably say this, right, Gary Boucher? That you're yes. just, you're, you're sitting, well, I don't have another chair, but maybe like on, on a respectful side of my lap, you know? <laughs> I will always live in your heart, Philip. I'm my hot, yeah. Well, thank you so much, and uh, I'm sure that we're in the hearts of many who are listening to this show. Amen. And speaking of uh, some things that in a lot of people's hearts, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice is actually not the character, but the movie is in a lot of uh, people's hearts, and and is very near and dear to them. And <clears throat> I believe we talked about this with both of us. Neither one of us had seen this before being forced to, essentially, for for the pod. Uh, and did you get a chance to watch it with anybody? Yeah, I, I watched it with my mom and my youngest sister, and it was awesome. Same same story with them, though. Same story that they had never seen it? My mom had. She she somehow, I didn't know, she could, like, quote the movie, and, like, she had to get up and take a work call and came back, and she was like, oh, I missed the scene where this, 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 and this happened. I was like, oh, my God, how much, how much have you seen this movie, man? But <laughs> my sister and I hadn't seen it before. Oh, well, that's great. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It certainly, it certainly was a refresher compared to what we uh, reviewed last week. Um, <laughs> so with that being said, let's get right into it. All right, Beetlejuice, of course, Tim Burton, one of his, I would, I would say it is one of his, like, for him personally, his Mount Rushmore, his... his you think so? uh, Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be, like, one of his folklore movies that will go down with him for the rest oh, of oh what you said mount rushmore one of his okay yeah one yeah one yeah not obviously not his best for sure but um but certainly is something that goes along with what he thinks and like his style certainly and uh it's very it's very respectably good film even outside of just the fact of it's a halloween film and set in that theme uh very well thought out uh, we've got a we've got a star-studded cast as well. Uh, Michael yeah. Keaton playing the titular role, uh, Beetlejuice. Um, also, it it looks like it's spelled like Betelgeist or something, but it's yeah. pronounced Beetlejuice. I, that that was like the only weird part of the like of of that aspect of it for me. Um, Alec Baldwin uh, and Gina Davis making up the Maitlands. Uh, Jeffrey Jones, the recently passed and deceased uh, Jeffrey Jones, playing Charles Dietz. Catherine O'Hara of Schitt's Creek fame and infamy uh, plays Dila Dietz. And a young Winona writer carried on her, her youth, her... Uh, her that uh, was... Sh- I was like, is that Winona Ryder? She looks like... So I didn't even... I mean, the last thing I saw her in was Stranger Things, so there you go. And you'll be happy to know, happy to know that I... I did not hate her performance, and she was yeah, a child actor. Yeah, I was going to say, we have to talk about this. I mean, I think she's probably, like, for 16 or 17. She just looks really young, but I was like, man, Philip hates the kids, but I thought she was great. Oh, no, no, great. Renona, they're like, uh, there are kid actors who are almost impossible to not enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. Macaulay Culkin comes to mind. Renona Ryder. Um, I'm all sure the kids in Stranger Things, man. I think they're all great. Uh, I, I, That's actually uh, in my cultural blind spot. I have yet to watch it. I... I this is a side omission for the for in re, in regards to the review, but I tend to on TV shows and in media wait until something's done and then binge my way through. I'm I've been spoiled in that. It's probably way, the best so. strategy because you don't have to wait. 
Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very impatient man when it comes to media and just if I want to watch, I don't want to stop watching a season because of a lack of production. I want to stop watching because I'm tired or something. Anyways, we go back. Michael Keaton plays Beetlejuice, a totally believable, enjoyable, comedic character. Loved it. Alec Baldwin, a very youthful, a very svelte Alec Baldwin, I was I was very impressed. I was like, this is the guy because I I've he's something known of like a, of a very attractive man or you or I guess it used to uh, thinner man used to be, but he's he's kept his he's kept his his looks throughout it all. But I was just like, oh, this had to be like part of that whole that whole renaissance of Alec Baldwin. Um, and Catherine O'Hara does a wonderful job. There are. I, it's it's almost impossible on where to turn. It's written well. It's directed well. Where where would you like to start, Gary? Let's have you start this week. Yeah. Well, let me start off. To, I, I was looking at the cast. Jeffrey Jones. He's alive. Um, really? I, yeah. He's he's good. Good for him. Yeah. I was like <laughs> I was like he's dead. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. He's still okay. That. We're uh, sorry, that. Jeffrey, if you're listening right now. We're not sorry, trying to start Jeffrey, a hoax. No. You know, <laughs> knock on every piece of wood. I'm, I'm, I'm my deepest and sincerest apologies. I think where I I like to start off is is Tim Burton because truthfully you know they cast a lot of great people but besides Keaton and probably a little bit of Winona Ryder no one's performance really stuck out to me that much like I think Baldwin and Gina Davis could be replaced with any actors I didn't really care about them as much as like the entire thing just has Burton's signature on it it's so weird and fun I love the effects I love it's super super unique you know, I I've had never seen a movie like that before. Um, I was it's very Disney-ish, but then there's like f bombs and people holding their heads up <laughs> and ripping their faces off, and I was like, what is going on? It was, it it was just really really fun from from end to end, and yeah, nobody really stuck out to me as much as Keaton and and Ryder though. I was gonna say the uh, the effects hold up in in your regards to that they hold up extremely well the only one that doesn't are the uh are the, in, in the, the desert yeah the desert sequences those which is really... honestly I, I i love watching that kind of stuff though and being like trying to close my eyes and be like okay if i if this was like 1988 i would have been like oh my god there's a sand monster yeah it, it looks like a, almost <laughs> like a bad mtv edit or something yeah. uh of, of <laughs> yeah. its time so I, I suppose that that's that's about if that's the worst that i can say is that that specific aspect which took up all of three minutes of the film yeah. or something it, that's really that's really to be commended um winona Ryder, i i pff, this is this is absolutely rare but i think that you're absolutely going down on winona Ryder. i think uh, you don't give her enough credit for this particular role i've seen young winona Ryder. obviously she's grown up and she's done other um respectable fantastic work but in this particular role i actually think that i go, coming into it when i first saw her, i was like oh that's gonna be nice um, but she truly sticks out in a in a in a stellar performance that, her, if she, I I could argue that everybody else could have played their part. I completely agree with you with the with the uh, Maitlands, and that they weren't stellar. Catherine O'Hara kind of does like a, a has her moments, but it's L- nothing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's nothing. But I would argue that if Winona Ryder was not as good as she was, that we would not have placed this film in such a an iconic section of of Halloween lore of of scary uh, of Tim Burton's like respectable films she to me if she had not been as good as she was uh, would have 
somewhat made the film at least not as stellar or as shining as it is. So I want to just at least give her her props in that regard. Again, Michael yeah. Keaton, iconic performance. Doesn't necessarily mean like the greatest of his career by any means. And for him, that's actually a, a positive. He's totally had, iconic. I mean, he was fantastic. And yeah. So weird. I loved him. Oh, yeah. And, and again, to Tim Burton, <laughs> in the absolute polar contrast to last week's Evil Dead, this felt completely descriptive, junctured down. Everything felt, felt uh, exceptionally well written where there were rules that we followed in, a, in an absolutely unknown world. Uh, there were fun moments that were created through just somebody who just sees the world through that spectrum. I, I loved how, how much everything in there was just, it, it felt like a story. I, couldn't, I truly, for myself, could never see where it was going. And any time it did go in a new direction... I enjoyed it. It wasn't a it wasn't a random jump scare for any for any particular reason. It was it was like you said. It was fun. It was quite. It was a wholly unique film unto its own. That even though it does remain in the Halloween horror genre, well, some it it's kind of, it it's not as horror. It's, it's like as, it's all. I mean, it's it, it reminded me a little bit of, of like Haunted Mansion, but like way more gory with f bombs. <laughs> I I really couldn't compare it to to a lot. You know. No, you're absolutely correct, and and comedy kind of somewhat rings through the entire film. Like, mm-hmm. I think that it Tim Burton has a gift, if if we can call it that, of, of presenting horrifying, scary images, but yet having such a grounded sense of undertone within his films that you never actually feel scary about. It. So it's like it's 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 quite nice and enjoyable as a viewer to be in such a such a <laughs> horrible and unique world if you're like putting yourself in there but having the safety of being like oh he just popped his eyes out or whatever oh that's like that's not necessarily scary like normally that image would be scary if i were to be looking down at my phone and somebody's lock screen was alec baldwin's um you know sunken in face and like pulling over the, <laughs> you know whatever it is it would scare the poop out of me but within the context of the film it all just feels very natural there were so many so many funny moments that just were so smart, just so smart. Uh, chief amongst them was the shrug, like even in the end, to the to the absolute finish line, when when uh, Beetlejuice's last gag of of the shrunken head, I actually really enjoyed that. We go to the middle of the film. There's the whole. F- I mean, <laughs> it, Tim Burton can find the 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 comedy and tragedy of like where the entire football team died, and they're like, I don't think we made it, coach. And he's like, she's like, what what ticked you off there, coach? You know, <laughs> It's wholly unique. I, I very much. This was one of my most enjoyable films that we've ever reviewed. Yeah, and you know, circling back to what you you started with with Winona, it's interesting because in a movie like this where there's this crazy fantastical new world, usually the main characters that go into that world are sort of like the audience surrogates, like they are discovering the world with us. And for a little bit, that is Baldwin and Davis, but then it kind of really becomes. Winona Ryder because of her performance and the fact that she has like her character has to kind of straddle both worlds and that's really the journey that we end up going on not only with Baldwin but with her character and she's pretty young and does a really good job of shouldering 
you know, th- that load of us being able to take that journey with her, because in all honesty, like it's kind of cool when you realize what's going on, but I think it's way more interesting what's happening whenever you put her in- into the mix because, and you know, I, I guess I should give her more credit because her performance really makes it a lot more fun to watch. And well, now I'm, don't let I'm me curious. bully you into no, this. I no, mean, no, I'm no, just... no, no, you're right. I, I just was like walking away from it. I was like, not thinking as I was like, well, the acting, whatever, but really the, the thing as a whole was what I was really focusing on. Right. Um, and as far as like, like the logic and the rules go, that's actually the one part that I guess stuck out to me because, and I can't even believe we're doing this like somehow <laughs> comparing it to, to Evil Dead, but um, Evil Dead I guess was just so uh, contained, and with this one, uh, this entire world could use a, a a TV show, which I would definitely watch, and sort of the rules I felt maybe. They seem like a little bit like they're made up as they go along, but in all honesty, I couldn't care. Like, like in the end, somehow Gina Davis like wrangles the sand beast and like kills Beetlejuice, and I was like, <laughs> "How did she know how to do that?" But I was like, "I don't care. That's a great ending, you know." And just every new set piece is so f- fantastic, and there's some stuff that you're kind of curious about. Like, I just wanted to know more about what it meant for the dead to be exercised and then die again. Little things like that, but it feels like from end to end. You know, there's always something fun around the corner, always like a, a, a new experience or a new little nugget of, of lore. And I mean, I didn't do a lot of research into after the movie, but I, I would watch that. Like I said, the, the TV show of Beetlejuice, like if we could be in that world, I would love to. You know, it's uh, it's funny because so often whenever we go back, because most of the time when we're in Chopped Greens, we review movies that have just come out. Um, just, yeah. you know, something that happened recently, maybe, or, or it's timely. The, this is the rare time of the year where we actually go back. So, uh, it's funny when, when looking at these iconic films that have already cemented their status in film, film, uh, film photography. Um, I've seen that, that coconut dance scene before. And I didn't, I didn't even know that it was from Beetlejuice. And on top of that, I didn't realize what was going on because without the context of knowing what's going on, it was quite... And once you know everything going into it, it's quite funny. And it, and yeah. it holds up on its own. It's quite, <laughs> Every bit of it is just so, so pointed towards the emotion of comedy, towards the end there. I, of course, there's that... Tim Burton twist of the the shrimp in the in the cocktail, reaching forward and acting as a a monst- claw that pulls forward and then yeah. releases. It's just it's so witty and so enjoyable throughout it all. Uh, to your point of world building, absolutely. They're, this, of course, they bring in the entire town to the idea. Uh, from where we start from point A to point B of, of the end film. It's wild, so, man. Like, so I, drastic. No, you're right. And, and like you said, there's always like new things happening. I was like, okay, so so we've transitioned into the fact that these characters are going to somehow capitalize and make this like a, a haunted house experience. I was like, what, what is even happening right now? But it was great. So many twists and, and turns. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, and I know it's not a Disney movie, but I was like, I feel like I'm going through like the Haunted Mansion ride right now. I know it, it was an experience. Like I, I want to go on the Beetlejuice ride, man. I want to go walk through that world. It was so fun. And I think it should be noted that part of our love of this and enjoyment of this film is part of the reason why it's become such a such a big uh, stamp in pop culture, and even to this day. 
uh, it remains to be a musical on Broadway. I yeah. as of as of this recording, mid October, and um, in twenty twenty, I believe it's still on Broadway currently. It was even nominated for a couple Tonys past year. Um, there's just so much to do with it. It's so it speaks volumes and well of a world where if there's so much material that you haven't even like scratched the surface by the end of it and the story that you it felt like we were almost forced to just reside within this one sector of the world that was built that was so immense that yes the world the rules came at you hard and fast but they felt authentic they felt like they were they offered grounding to a to a weird weird world where you know when you look back on it obviously you know when we started we started with this young married couple in love and I, I, afterwards, I thought, hmm, were they really necessary? And obviously, you know, besides the fact of like there's a haunting in the ghost that could, you know, maybe we could have cut out that beginning part. But it's really fascinating and and wonderful that we got to kind of explore the next world with this with this with this couple who are discovering it for themselves too. It was very and, and in the meantime continuing on in a world where it's like oh hey you know the world still goes on even without you so it's it was uh it's just kudos to tim burton for this i'm i'm actually quite saddened uh i i watched it alone and i'm quite saddened that i never saw this earlier it's i always kind of associated that it would be much scarier than what it was um but yeah Yeah, yeah. i'll I'll tell you what though i knew it was a family movie and when you know, she rips her face off in the beginning to scare Winona Ryder. I was like, oh my, I did not expect that at all. I was like shocked, I guess more than Evil Dead, because I was expecting that in Evil Dead. I was like, oh my God, there's just like a little bit of gore in this, man. And yeah, as far as the, the rules being built, I think that they did a good job of avoiding exposition as much as possible. Of course, you kind of have to have some exposition in a movie like this to explain to us what's going on. And they do have a few moments where they explain things, but thankfully when they do explain things, it's fun. It's interesting. Like they have the old lady who's their caseworker. <laughs> there's always like a, a comedic beat or like a funny moment to drive in what the rules are and why it's funny. Um, and it's, you know, and you kind of get what's going on pretty quickly, but it's really fun to, like you said, learn it with them. And it's interesting because in, in the beginning of the movie, I think because now horror nowadays is so. Like, they're trying to make it as realistic as possible while keeping the supernatural element. Like, they have these great actors come in and give these really harrowing performances. But in this movie, like, they both find out that they're dead and, like, they're not acting like the way that I want them to. Because if you make Beetlejuice now, like, if A24 makes Beetlejuice, they have, like, a crisis when they die. But then I was like, they're not freaking out at all. <clears throat> they're like, I guess we got to read this stupid book. <laughs> and I was like, that's the movie, man. I mean, it's it's goofy. It was fun. And, yeah, I, I once I got, you know, into what the tone was going to be, I was absolutely all for it. And also, Beetlejuice himself doesn't come in for a long time. I do you think that they could have used him more earlier in the movie because I I would have liked a little bit more Beetlejuice I think it's always a delicate balance whenever we discuss about uh, I do have a question later on this week about <clears throat> screen time and, and iconic roles and what have you um, well but- oh, you know what I'm sorry let, let me just say I mean on the other hand the fact that they talk about him so much and really builds and builds and builds and builds. And then he comes and you see him in all his craziness. Cause you hear all the undead people saying like, do not talk to that guy. 
and you just hear little whispers here and there, and then you see him, and then I guess in that sense, th- th- there's a lot more payoff than if they just had him. Well, but it leads to an interesting discussion of whenever we talk about movies and, and screen time, what merits, what like what's the best payoff? Like whenever we talk about like Jaws, the shark's only in it for like five minutes or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And and uh, like the the original Godzilla, it's or not the original, but the the one that was in two thousand was was like a short amount of Godzilla. Um, and it, it makes it hard to, I think, the less and less that you use your people, the more, and even like something even more modern, that, this is one I was trying to think of, Pirates of the Caribbean with Jack Sparrow. That's something where we actually get to see the that exercise fully thought out, where, yeah. oh, I love Jack Sparrow. I want more Jack Sparrow. Give me all the Jack Sparrow possible. And then slowly but surely we move up and down towards that road, and then we find out, I guess, less is more. It's it's a very fine line. Yeah, um, I mean, J- Jack is like the the character, like the first movie, it is the Johnny Depp show, right? And Beetlejuice is like the, the ultimate supporting character. I'm trying to think of other situations where maybe... I'm trying to think of, of a great analogy of, of a Beetlejuice-type character who is really played up and comes in later in the movie and they have some method actor who is just totally off the walls. Awesome. We'll have to Probably, th- oh, you I know mean, what? Smeagol. Smeagol. In Lord oh, of the Rings. It's like Smeagol. Sure. Yeah. You know? Like they talk, and then he becomes the main, I know it's different because it's a trilogy, but he's talked about a lot and then they have a character come in and do something really, really weird and adds a lot to the movie. Well, I guess if you want to go down like secondary characters such as that, there's always like Dobby the house elf in Harry Potter. I mean... You can always go down down that road. Dobby's there um, like in the first two minutes, though. I mean, Beetlejuice doesn't come in for like almost an hour. I feel. I mean, he's got his mm. little his TV ad, but I'm just saying like he's not in the movie for a long time. But I think that through our conversation, you mentioned Jaws. I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's it's good because when Michael Keaton comes in, you've had all this build up, and then he hops out of the grave and has like a five minute crazy monologue with these great little effects that is just like plasters you up against the wall, and you don't even know what just happened. Exactly, and and. It's he's such a bold choice for that role. I don't know that even at the time of him getting that role, I would have been like, oh, you know who can really play a wacky, off-the-wall, kind of just un- <clears throat> untethered spirit? Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. <laughs> so kudos to him for not only accepting the role, taking on the role, but pulling off the role in such a way that he is... It's, it's even somewhat transcended himself. Like, it, it, I don't even know that people necessarily go with just... Keaton as like they they think of the same like Tobey Maguire I think some sometimes gets more attributed to like Spider-Man than others um but either way uh great great job to him it's funny that the movie's even named Beetlejuice obviously because of how much limited screen time he has but at the same token it's it's very hard to step away from just how wholly unique this film is when if you asked me, if you asked me now and you challenged me, you're like, Philip, you know, my sister wants to see this this film. Can you kind of give her like a like a like what what you would expect, like a a, ver- a verbal trailer? I'd be like, hmm, little thirty second pitch, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very, it's incredibly hard to like get beyond of like, okay, so a young couple dies, and uh, they keep on going. Like, <laughs> it's it's very hard without giving away like. Yeah, without giving gonna... one detail that begets another question that begets another question that eventually tells you the entire plot but it's very 
it's very unique, and I, I, I find even that naming it Beetlejuice is such an interesting choice of itself. I think that that's, I guess, part of the reason why I made that comment about Beetlejuice. I'm like, man, the movie is, is called Beetlejuice. <clears throat> you know, and he definitely sticks out like like a sore thumb. But, yeah, if you were going to do the, the elevator pitch of this movie, man, it would be like you – know, if you were going to pitch this to a, a, a studio, you're like, okay, so the movie is about a couple who's working on a house, and the couple dies, but their spirits are trapped in the house – and a new family moves into the house, and the couple is tasked with haunting the new family to scare them away so that they can have their house. I guess that's, I, in simplest terms, maybe, how, how you would pitch the movie. It goes so much movie. further than that. <clears throat> Which, honestly, I watched the movie. As a writer, I was like, dang, this is, like, perfect high-concept movie. I wish I would have thought of this. This is fantastic. I mean, what, what, what a fun world to play in. And it's a pretty simple premise, like, kind of this screwball comedy like innocent couple has to like become ghosts and they're obviously like this really dialed in like east coast like white couple <laughs> they have to right. they have to become ghosts man i i think that that's like such i i would love to see i guess more fun with it but part of the joke is i guess they're so dialed in they don't even know how to scare people but just right. thinking of it i'm like i you know what uh, after this podcast, I'm going to pitch this TV show, man. I, I want to write on the Beetlejuice TV show because I want to play around this world, man. There you go. Like Fleetwood Mac said, dreams, Gary, dreams. Exactly. That's all that they said. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, I uh, – okay, so what is your biggest what, – what would you say was like your biggest takeaway, biggest compliment to the film if, if you had to pick one? Biggest compliment? Um, yeah. Hmm. It sort of, I guess, ties back to how I started it off, but, like, it is a world that I want to go play in and live in. And I wanted to watch 10 more hours of the movie to see what adventure are they going to go on next because the story doesn't have to be over right there. Obviously, with the character of Beetlejuice, there could be other undead weirdos, and you could think of so many new things that could happen. So biggest compliment is, like, in the really short runtime, hour and a half – they did yeah. a fantastic job of making a completely unique world off a pretty simple premise and totally bringing me in. I mean, this could be like a 10-minute compliment. <laughs> right, right. My biggest compliment, props and costumes. As most, as, I find, as I'm finding, most Halloween-themed yeah. and horror films will tend to be. But especially for this and, and, and in any Tim Burton any film Burton that's movie, real. Yeah. You're never yeah. going to be short on production design that's like Oscar-worthy. Oh my gosh! It's just it's it's it completely feels thoroughly world built, and that's part of what sells it. A tremendous part of what sells it. What, in fact, the the only critique, if you'll remember, is that it's the outer world that we visit through the doors of out of beyond the house, and that's that almost feels like out of Tim Burton's control, where it's just like you know anim, anim, animation or or you know at the time the graphics that they had available to them. Yeah. You know what, man? Uh, and honestly, too. A little side compliment that, like you, you mentioned, the dinner scene where yeah. they become possessed. After the scene, I was like, I've seen so many horror movies. I was like, they were just possessed in that movie. This is the first time. This is like the funniest, most engaging possession scene I've ever seen. They start singing six foot, seven foot like at the table, <laughs> then, man. It was great. And then they start negotiating with them about like hauntings of like, OK, so can you like, what, you know, can you come down whatever <laughs> And it's just so funny. It, it again, it takes tremendous turns. Um, yeah. I for my I for myself could not recommend this anymore to anybody who wants to get in the Halloween mood, especially if you haven't seen it yet. If you haven't seen it, again, totally. short commitment um, does not go exactly where you think it's going to go, and 
it does have moments of scare. So I mean, it's not bereft of it. It just it's 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 a safe scare, I think, for lack of a better term. So, uh, Gary, kick us off. How many Boucher bars are you gonna give this bad boy? This mm. Beetlejuice. How many Beetlejuices are you going to say for it? It is a movie that I cannot wait to show my children. It is a movie that I cannot wait to watch again. It's definitely rewatchable. I could definitely see myself getting to the point where my mom is, where I'm quoting it, and I'm having a good time watching it with, with my friends or my family. So I, I'd probably give it a nine, honestly. A nine? You know, I, I, these movies that we've watched lately have all scored really high, but Beetlejuice was, you know, once again, a classic, and there's a reason for that. Um yeah, I mean, and it's completely rewatchable. It's not a movie that I'm like, I liked it, but I wouldn't watch again. I liked it. I would totally watch it again, so I'll give it a nine. I love this decimal system, so I'm going to continue on with it. I'm going to go eight and a half. Um, I think it's better than just, like, average and good. I think it's unique. Um, but outside of Halloween, will I ever really think about it as, like, a top film of all time? No, no. so I'm, I'm going to continue to make sure that that's still baked in there. It's but it's a little bit better and more unique than anything else, so I'm going to go with that. Eight and a half. Solid performance from Beetlejuice. Enjoyable film. I very much loved it. And I think that that's going to take us to the end and exit of uh, Chopped Greens for this week, Gary. Thank you. And we only, the next time that we meet, well, excuse me, no, I'm, I'm mis- mistaken. I was going to say the next movie that we review will be like as close to Halloween as we could possibly be, Gary. Yes, yes, absolutely. Ooh. Uh, you going to go trick-or-treating with... Uh, you gonna go trick or treating with all the COVID precautions being taken, or what? I, you know, I'm six three and I weigh about two fifty now, so I don't know if uh, <laughs> if anybody <laughs> want to. They probably think they're getting robbed, man. I don't know if it would work. There you go. Well, I mean, you could always just be a, you know, you could put on a a halo and a and like a sheet with uh, your head peeping out, just and you like could be them. a guardian angel for your sisters. Oh, there we go. That's good. That's there good. There you go. There you I, go. You know, I I've heard tell that the candy in my neighborhood is very subpar, so I don't know. That's the one thing that I always thought of as I was nearing my end of Halloween trick-or-treating. I was like, when I get to be an adult, I'm just going to buy my own candy bars. Amen. You know what? I have to this very day. Dreams do come true. All right. Thank you so much for everybody listening. Continue to listen. Uh, Subscribe. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts for Professor Emeritus Guestus Gary Boucher. That is just ridiculous. I'm (laughs) Philip Amarine. Thank you so much. And until next time.